Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Hey, I said last week that I was really interested in the details surrounding the death, the killing, the murder, I guess I should say, of Whitey Bulger. And then we got all caught up in Kirsten Cinema's switch to independent and a lot of other breaking news. Now I want to circle back to it because Rich Shapiro from the NBC News Investigative Unit has written a great and detailed piece. It's in all my social media. We posted it at Smirconish.com today under the headline, Don't Believe Everything You See, Inside Whitey Bulger's Bloody Final Hours, the notorious Boston crime boss was killed within less than 12 hours of his arrival at a West Virginia prison where inmates had been tipped off as to his transfer. This is Rich Shapiro. Hey, Rich, thank you so much for your time. So he had been in Florida in solitary confinement. Why was he being moved to West Virginia? That's a very good question, Michael. He was in solitary confinement at a, at a Florida prison um, for eight months. Uh, he was there because he had allegedly threatened a nurse. And it was during those eight months that officials in Florida and in the federal prison system were having trouble finding a place for him to be transferred to. Um, and what ultimately happened was they, they lowered his medical classification in order to make it easier for them to transfer him to another facility. And that other facility they ended up transferring him to happened to be one of the most violent prisons in the nation. Um, this Hazleton Federal Prison in West Virginia, where he was ultimately killed in less than 12 hours of his arrival. Tell me if I'm reading too much into your piece. It sounded to me like he was really a pain in the ass and they wanted to get rid of him and therefore changed his classification to be able to send him to Hazleton, where otherwise he would not have been able to go. That's essentially what the Justice Department Inspector General uh, concluded. They they released this 65-page report last week that was a pretty scathing indictment of the federal prison system for the way it handled Bulger's case. And, 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 and that's essentially what they said, that, that, that he was 89 years old, he had a serious heart condition, um, and there was, there was really no justification for the fact that they, they lowered his, his, his medical classification level, uh, other than... They, they did it for the sole purpose of making it easier to transfer him out of that facility to a different facility. Let me remind people, I think they remember, but he's the Boston mobster who was wanted for a long, long time and, and was living somewhat openly, not, on, not under his own identity, but he was living, where was he, in Santa Monica, right? Correct. Um, yeah, and he he's also... On, he would be in I was going to say he's he's also the guy who the departed and black mass. Both of those films are based or at least loosely based on his life. But in his later years, he deteriorated. You report that he had told a Hazleton intake official. This is the 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 max security facility in West Virginia. Quote, I want to go to the yard because he said what he was like a shell of himself. That's right. I mean, he had been in, in solitary for eight months prior, mm-hmm. you know, in a cell alone, basically 24 hours a day. And it's pretty clear that he was craving human contact. He did not want to 
like, you know, be in that situation anymore. Um, prior to leaving the facility in Florida, he, he told the person there that he basically lost his will to live. So, um, you know, he, he was very much wanting to be around other people as opposed to being, um, you know, by himself in solitary for another extended period of time. You report, based on the Inspector General's uh, study or report, quote, numerous inmates at Hazleton knew in advance about Bulger's impending arrival and even placed bets on how long he would stay alive because prison officials had been cavalier in how they shared information about his transfer. That was just what? Word of mouth? It spread like wildfire? Essentially. I mean, what the what the report says is, the the information about his transfer was shared among at least 100 people staffers in the federal prison system it was sent to like general emails that like any member any person who works at hazelton would have had access to so many people actually knew about it among the staff that they couldn't even identify exactly how it leaked out to the inmates um but there was no question it leaked out to inmates um, even one of the suspects themselves in in Whitey Bulger in Whitey Bulger's murder, I, I spoke to him by phone after he was arrested, and, and he told me that you know he, he was aware of it. Everybody where was aware of it in the days before uh, Bulger actually arrived there. Rich, I'm kind of surprised that you know people would still care that these that these rival gangsters would even care. He was 89 years old. He was in a wheelchair. His heyday was like back in the fifties, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, I would say this, this yeah, 50, maybe more like the seventies and the eighties, but um, look, you know, what, what the system tell me is like these, you know, these gangsters, they have long memories and, um, certain ones who still follow these like old school mafia codes and they believe that you know you should never be uh, a government informant a so-called rat and there just happened to be one of these figures in the very housing unit where whitey bulger was eventually placed which was another shocking failure of the federal prison system according to the inspector general so what happened at the end? He was assigned to a cell with another inmate. By, by the way, what do we know about the guy? What was that guy in for? So that, this guy was from New York. He was not in any way associated with organized crime. It was actually a uh, he was in for gun possession and some parole violations. Um, so uh, Whitey Bulger's in a wheelchair. He gets wheeled into the cell after nine o'clock. And he there's apparently some guys yelling, you know, when he was wheeled into a cell, he had to go across basically the entire unit. He would have been seen, according to one of the inmates who spoke to the inspector general, they, people were yelling about the rat who was on their unit. Um, and early the next morning at, at uh, 5 a.m., the cell doors are opened so that the inmates can can leave and to kind of get ready to go to breakfast. Um, and two inmates quickly, sorry, the, the, the inmate who was sharing a cell with Bolger, he leaves this, he leaves the cell, two other inmates rush in. They're inside for exactly seven minutes. According to federal prosecutors, they 
brutally beat Whitey Bulger with a heavy padlock. Um, and they're out the door in seven minutes. And it wasn't until two hours later that a wow. staffer actually Jeez. goes in and finds his lifeless body. So the two guys, oh, I guess I have to say, are suspected of killing him. How long were they in for? Did they have nothing to lose because they were lifers? Yeah, one of them, the the, the guy who's considered the kind of the the the, uh, the main assailant in this is Freddie Gius. He was in for life. Uh, he was a hitman for you know the New England Mafia, a rival of uh, Whitey Bulger's Winter Hill Gang. Um, and the second person is a, a guy named Paul DiColagero, another organized crime figure. He's serving a 25-year sentence. Um, so both long sentences. Um, and now they are both uh, charged with uh, the killing of Whitey Bulger as well. So they, they, they put a padlock, what, in a sock and then pummeled him yeah, with that, it and then put a blanket right. over his body? I don't know. Did they tuck him back in bed and that's why it took so long? Well, they did. Yeah, they did put him in bed. They did put a put a uh, blanket over him. But um, I mean, you would think Whitey Bulger, probably the most high profile figure in the federal prison system, just arrives at the facility. You'd think they would want to keep tabs on him. Right. Um, so this was just another kind of black eye and another kind of questionable um, part of this case, like how how did it take two two hours to figure out that this guy, um, you know, Jeez. that wasn't out with the other inmates? Holy smokes! Uh, thank you so much for your willingness to come on and tell it. Anything else that's significant about this that you think the audience needs to hear? I, you know, the significant thing here is th- this: this report. Th- there were people in the federal prisons, people who were you know former wardens and the like who after Bolger was killed were absolutely horrified by even the limited details they had that he was placed in a general population unit uh, in a, in a facility like, like Hazleton. And they had been waiting very anxiously for this report um, and were concerned that it might never, not ever come out. Um, So now it finally has. And, And one interesting thing that we haven't touched on the report, said that there was no that there was nothing done with malicious intent here they didn't find any uh any examples of malicious intent there were some concerns or there were some theories you know after Woody Bulger died that you know maybe he was set up maybe this was intentional the investigator inspector general didn't find any evidence of that um they did however recommend um, some administrative penalties for for some of the people who were involved in the case but that's pretty much that's pretty much where this ends. You know, there's three people charged with this killing, um, and the federal prison system has agreed to make some changes based on the way this, this case was handled, but this, this mm. is pretty much uh, the end of it. Wow. What a story, man. Movie stuff. Yeah. Rich Shapiro, a reporter for NBC News Investigative Unit. Well told. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me, Michael. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Rich Shapiro, a reporter for NBC News Investigative Unit. The uh, the end of Rich's piece reads as follows. Bulger was secured. Are you into this or not really? 
Oh yeah, I'm yeah? completely. Uh, the are Boston you just playing roots. along? No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm Dan. In. If Dan's into Is it, Dan into Dan, it. Dan, are you into the Whitey Bulger uh, killing or not? Not. Uh, I'll be honest. Do, not. Not entirely. Okay. Dan doesn't care. Yeah. No, he I do care. care. I do. Wait, care. Dan, do you care about Harry and Meghan? Uh, sort no, of. Not it's really. It's a low care day. Yeah, <laughs> it's a low care day. But I am. I am interested to hear what you because Whitey Bulger. It was all before my time, uh, and not. Well, it was before really, my time. Yeah. It was before my time too. You're but right. I, I, you know, I saw The Departed, which makes me somewhat interested in it. And I remember, I remember when he was living in Santa Monica. I think he had like all the cash inside a wall, and he was with his girlfriend, and so. So I've always kind of filed it away, but. What most in, okay, so let me th- then let me justify my interest. What interests me about this? Because apparently I'm the only one who's interested in it. It's this mob coda. Like I'm interested. I'm a guy. Dan's a guy, but I'm interested in all things mob related. And the idea that there could be a passage of so many years, fifty years, uh, and still when he gets in there, there are, there are guys who who aren't going anywhere. And I guess they got nothing to lose. When when you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. So yeah, I'll kill Whitey Bulger. And do they get this? Really, is dependent upon the prison system and coda and mindset. Do they get rewarded? In but from other prisoners. Yeah. Well, from other prisoners. I mean, does somebody put more smokes in my? I don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm what I'm asking here. But what's the upside if I'm one of the guys who kills Whitey Bulger? What am I getting out of it other than bragging rights? Is that on the outside, things are going to be done for my family? I mean, we, we have physicists and rocket scientists in the audience. D- do we have any connected guys who can explain to me like, who even cares after all that time and he's 89 and he's in a wheelchair? Why is it even important to, ter- to try and kill him? The end of the piece reads as follows. Bolger was secured in his cell at 9 p.m. His cellmate was a New York man who was serving a 30-month sentence on a gun possession charge. You wonder how that guy feels. He's in there for 30 months, which is not a lot of time, less than three years, on a gun charge. Like, holy crap, Whitey Bulger is now my my cellmate? And they're going to come to kill him? I hope they don't kill me. It was not a quiet night in the unit. One inmate told investigators that several were yelling for an hour about Bulger being a rat. 6.10 a.m., the cell doors were unlocked, allowing the inmates to move freely within the housing unit ahead of breakfast. His roommate left their cell at 6.16. Right, the guy waited six minutes. He's getting the hell out of there. Like, I don't want to be here in the cell with Whitey Bulger. Who knows what's about to happen? Three minutes later, two inmates walked in, identified by federal prosecutors as Gaius and DiColagero, and closed the door behind them. They remained inside for seven minutes, long enough to beat Bulger into a bloody pulp with a padlock, placed him in bed with a blanket pulled over his head, according to federal prosecutors. A third inmate, Sean McKinnon, who shared a cell with Gaius, acted as a lookout, according to federal prosecutors, two hours passed before a prison staffer went into the cell and found his lifeless body. Prison workers gave him CPR and used a defibrillator, but they weren't able to bring him back to life. He was pronounced dead at 9.07 a.m. The night before, as he was being processed in the intake center, a staffer took a photo of him to keep on file. Who knows, the elderly gangster said. This might be my last picture. Wow. 
Hey, George, you think I'm missing some backstory? What do I need to know? Well, there's a famous politician in Massachusetts, Whitey's brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was sure. the Speaker of the House. Did you get into that? No, no, not at all. And then um, the other issue is um, the FBI agent that he was grew up with that uh, was giving him updates, and, and that's how he avoided uh, arrest. Did you get into that at all? No, all I've gotten into is is the way in which he died. I've, I've just spent a couple yeah. of minutes talking about the way in which he died because I'm intrigued by the fact that somebody would still be so intent on having him dead that they could convince two guys, albeit behind bars with nothing to lose, to take him out. That's what well, I don't get. A couple of things. It's, he, he has a long history in Massachusetts, and he's also considered a rat because yep. he turned in so yep. many people to his benefit. He, he wiped out all the other guys, and he was the only one left standing. So. Yeah. I totally get it. Totally get it. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Little, little, little bean town background. James, you are in Silver Lake, New Jersey. Greetings. What did you want to offer? Spray Lake. Uh, just a tidbit on the Whitey Bulger story. Yeah. I was in L.A. I was in L.A. about 10 years. Whenever they capture him, 10 years or so ago. Yeah, yeah, Santa Monica. And visiting a friend. And she lived in Santa Monica. And, uh, she said, you know, the Whitey Bulger, that's big news here. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was, he was, uh, he was a fugitive for years. She goes, yeah, well, my girlfriend was involved in getting him. And I said, well, tell me that. Tell me about, tell me about this. And she said, he, she was at the local Santa Monica post office or library or whatever. And they had posted FBI most wanted. I didn't think they did that anymore. Right. Right. Most wanted, and she's looking at it and she's looking at it and she, and she says, he looks familiar. And she, she, she said she thought about it. Went back there, and the next day, when she called the FBI, said, "I think, I think this guy Whitey Bulger lives in my building," and they're like, "Really?" <laughs> and they said, "Okay, what do we got to lose?" They did a stakeout, and sure enough, they got him. So look, let me let me just see my my Kevin Bacon on this. So I know James. James is in Spring Lake. It's a friend of James's and a friend of James's friend who actually called in and dropped the dime on Whitey Bulger. You got a three degrees. There it is. All right. Not bad. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. We've had some really interesting stories posted on Smirconish.com in the last couple of days pertaining to events in Washington, the whole situation with whether Kevin McCarthy can get the 218 that he needs to be Speaker of the House. Uh, today, there's a story that we we have posted about how Republicans are unsure of how much they want to go after the investigations right now targeting former President Trump. Uh, they do seem dedicated to going after Hunter Biden and all things Biden with investigations as soon as they get subpoena power in January. But did you see that at the Macron dinner where for a state dinner, the Bidens hosted the Macrones, the French president and his wife. Hunter Biden was a guest and went up to Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy and, and uh, engaged him in conversation, which was described as, quote unquote, ballsy in the media accounts of it, because obviously this could be his nemesis in short order. Hey, Tom, you're in Fort Lauderdale. I understand that you had a reaction to the Whitey Bulger story, and I'm eager to hear it. Thank you, Michael. I'm always a little intimidated because your audience is always so smart. I don't count myself among them. But but this is – I spent time in a medium, a low, um, in the federal system, both right. sides of the federal government. And um, it's always interesting that people look at 
prison is a microcosm. In reality, almost all acts that happen in prison of violence are generated from the outside. So all, all the money, all the funds, inmates don't make money. So everything that goes on their books, we call it books, everything that goes on your books comes from the outside. So they always look at it like, oh, my God, prison is so violent. A lot of those acts are generated from people on the outside. So when someone is, is hit like that, everyone in prison knows it's going to happen in general population. I've been there. And, and we all know it's taking place because that person has no one on the outside looking after them. So okay, so now, you now, you're, outside, getting, now you're getting closer to where, where I was trying to go. The guy who killed Whitey Bulger, it's two guys, but one is believed to be the ringleader. Do you sure. think given the short time that Bolger was there and they knew he was coming. And that's one of the failings of the, the prison system. IG report points out. Do you think that the guy who killed him had a commitment or just figured if I can kill him, I'm a lifer, so I'm not going anywhere anyway. If I can kill him, someone's going to take care of me. No, you don't think that far ahead, Michael. You think about eating day to day. So these guys, or, you know, the old school, and I'm from old school, have already made their bones. They don't need any respect. They have all the respect they'll ever want. They don't need it. So they do it for money. So if you're going to put money on my books for the rest of my life, and there's no connection between, you know, you putting money on my books and anything that happened, you know, I can get $400 a month on my books. So now that guy will get $400 a month on his books for life. He's not coming out anyway, but now he has a comfortable life. Right, but do you think he had a commitment? But did he have a commitment for something to be paid to him before he killed him? Or was it just a a leap of faith? 100%. 100%, Michael, 100%. And so if they want to solve crimes like this, it's not really that hard. You look at where the money is coming from. Literally follow the money, but no one in the end is going to care. But the bottom line is, when something like that happens to in prison, because on the outside, no one cares about you anymore. Hmm. That's the bottom line. Mm. So anyway, for what it's worth, to your interesting. Listeners. And you think it's all the outside influences that are determining be- that's counterintuitive that are determining behavior inside prison. Sure. I mean, anybody who's spent time in general population, either in a medium or a low in federal prison, and they're and they're actually the safest. Right. I've been time in state too, in county. The safest is is the medium and low in, in federal prison, obviously, then the camp. But absolutely, everything is generated from the outside because there's no money inside. So people need money to live. You can't really survive in prison without somebody at some point putting money on your books. Either that or you're washing people's shoes or doing something to earn money. The easiest way to make money is to do something for somebody on the outside. That's your biggest payday. How about, how about the prison sex racket, or is that just the stuff of, of movies? No, there's, uh, there's a lot of prison sex, but a lot of it's voluntary for guys paying money. So there, in, in county, people don't understand this, Michael. In county, there was a body a week going out in county. No one wants to report this. No one cares. But it's usually people who have no one on the outside caring about them. Young mm. men dying, people being pu- pushed off second floors of, of open populations in county. It's, it's hideous. And so, yeah, there's definitely sex. There are some rapes. You know, I had a guy alongside of me in a bunk raped. I just shut up. I laid there, shut up, and he was raped. Terrible. But, you know, stuff happened. Why, why, and why him and not you? Um, uh, you, you, have to, you have to form some type of reputation, reputation or allegiance, Michael, early on. I was very well educated, very well educated. So for me, I became the crazy old white guy, right? And you have to go in with, you know, someone told me, Michael, it's like Vietnam. You've got to go in with a thousand-yard stare with nothing to lose. 
I got a lecture that said, hey, understand something. Somebody else is going to be sleeping with your wife. Someone else is going to be raising your kids. The only thing you have is today. So if, if you don't Jeez. form some type of allegiance or understanding of how that microcosm works, you just become predator or prey. You have to make a decision really fast. How long have you been out? Um, you know, Michael, I'd rather not say because Tom's okay. not even real in my real name. Okay. You know, it, it's just, uh, what I'm saying, anybody who's done time in medium, low, you know, or camp or, or county knows what I'm talking about. County is an animal population. An well, what's animal. The, okay, you what's the pecking, what is the pecking order of where you don't want to be? I would think that it's the federal maximum security that you don't want to be. But maybe, what do Why I know? Do Tell that? me. Yeah, huh? well, a lot of times... I, 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 times say it, that, I say that because the worst of the worst are supposed to be there. Right, and you don't know because you haven't been in and no one's been in, and I haven't been in pens. I've been in guys that came down from death row, and they tell me pens are relatively safe because there's so much security, and everybody gets regulated yard time, right? Everything's regulated. In the, in the mediums, which is, I can speak to very clearly, once you go into general population, it's a free-for-all. Right. It's GP, GP is what they call it. Everyone is with everybody. Right. And that's where you have groups of guys. And that's what you see, like Shawshank, right, from 1940 and 50. You still have an element of that where you have groups of guys and it is segmented by by race. It's segmented by ethnicity. There's so many segments that really do exist, Michael. And I was an old white guy. There's no power group for an old white guy. My expertise, Michael, became helping guys coming, going up for their sentencing of what mm. they should be telling their lawyer, of what they should be asking. Obviously, I was a lawyer, Michael, and I was a prosecutor and I was other things. And that was my racket. So people laid off me, right? I was from the crazy white guy to, hey, go ask Tom, you know, what, what you should be telling your lawyer, what, what, what range you should be in. So everybody has a racket that's going to survive. Right. That was your, Otherwise, that was your skill set. Right. I get it. No, I totally right. get it. That was your, that it. was your benefit. Wow. And not for nothing, Michael, but a number of guys have come to me who were going away and said, hey, look, go talk to Tom. He'll tell you how to get by. And another guy I gave a racket to, you love this one. This is probably you. Became the book guy. He had everybody from the outside sending him books. Because in prison, believe it or not, reading is huge. No, I know. So no one I know. And it's, I, I, also, I also know it's got to come straight from Amazon or it doesn't get delivered. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I have a number of friends that, that have gotten jammed up and i've i've wanted to i've sure. frankly i'll tell you a funny thing i learned i learned the hard way i sent a couple of friends of mine my books never got them they're like no you yeah. got to send it from amazon or they won't receive it absolutely true it's crazy all right have, well, have thank, third party. thank you for your insight really really thank do appreciate it yeah oh Take no care, I'm, I'm 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 interested dan's the only one who's not interested i i love all of the i love all of the prison life stories i'm 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 a sucker for all of it Wow, that is really, hmm. Yeah, all right. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. It's a shame we take commercial breaks from time to time because you all just missed <laughs> TC telling me I would not do well behind bars. Come on, between the two of us, which of us would do better oh, oh, behind like bars? You tough it out. I'm just, you tough, I'm just the saying. Only, the, only yard, the only yard you know is the Harvard yard. Are you <laughs> shitting me? You'd last three seconds. I would not. And then like people would be telling you what you had to have for lunch. That's your biggest joy every day. I, I would be, be I would be like Tom. I would be like Tom. I would I would be the You'd lawyer. Be the consigliere. Yes. That is hysterical. Yeah. Um and we were talking I would be about just fine. 
I, I can I can imagine no fate worse <laughs> See? than the loss of your liberty interest. There you go. I can I can imagine you know could never imagine what that would be like. <laughs> I I know people who, and I guess if I were in their position and I were looking at a sentence, maybe I'd be the same way. But I know people that like appeal, 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 fight and fight and fight. And I say to myself, you're, you're spending two years on an appeal before you go away. If you just went away. You'd have eaten a big chunk of what you're about to be sentenced yeah, for. Yeah, but then, maybe then again, you could win the appeal, and then you don't have to go in at that all. That doesn't happen. No, that's not going to happen. Oh boy, no, not for oh the people boy. I'm thinking of. Oh, geez. just get it over with. Oh, geez. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for your patience and for for putting up with all of my uh, deviations today. What What did you want to say from Boston? So, uh, you know, Michael, one thing that's um, just worth noticing is that, you know, it, it it's true that. Um, that Whitey, Whitey was kind of a different era of gangster. And the people that, see, he, he made his uh, big mark up here in Boston by ratting out the Angelo family. That's what he did. He, he, he worked with the FBI to rat out the Angelo family. And the Angelos were like people who were in the North End who, you know, they were the, the, the former generation. They had the hats and the overcoats and they were gentlemen and were nice to the kids and kept the the neighborhood safe. When Whitey took over those rackets that they, he, you know, gave to them, it, it turned into, um, you know, kind of a, you know, drugs and guns instead of backyard card games and loan sharking. So it really you're, you're making you're making the Angulo sound like the Corleones, and and you know are, Don Corleone didn't want to touch drugs. Look, man, I, I, I'm telling you, there's not many people up here in Boston who haven't come in, in contact with the Angelos. They very much are that way. They very mm-hmm. much are the Corleones. And it's, it's really interesting. Like, they, even if, you know, I I'll also imagine Boston to be a little bit like Philadelphia in the sense that people here are connected. There's a reason why the last three Speaker of the Houses up here in Massachusetts all went to jail. Because they are all connected to these people. There's right. Like, there's just tons of corruption. Well, we went through it. We went through it in the 80s. We had mob wars. We had, I mean, so much went on yeah. with, with Angelo Bruno when, when he was taken out. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Merlino faction was much more violent. And it became routine that, that yeah. there was always like a mob. It was, and it was straight out of the movie. Hey, I got, I got to run, but, but thank you yeah. for that. I do, I do appreciate it. A little, little bit more color on Whitey Bulger. Uh, Melanie, greetings in Pennsylvania. What are you thinking? Yeah, two questions. I know a little bit about Whitey Bulger, but I two questions. First of all, why was, if he did such a great job of ratting out the Sanjulo family, why was he in jail still? I'm guessing he escaped, perhaps. And then my second question is, does it really matter that he died or not? How much does each prisoner cost us? What does it cost the tax tax dollar for him medically and just to survive in jail? How much are we saving not having Whitey Bulger on this planet? Kill them all. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I don't know about killing them all, but I'm saying at his age and with all of his medical issues. Right. What purpose is served? He must have escaped at some point, and that's why he was put back in jail. What purpose is served by by an 89 year old guy who's debilitated and in a wheelchair? I I totally hear your point. If we had if we had the slate to wipe clean and start the whole penal system over again, would you put behind bars white collar criminals? I say white and immediately takes on a racial dynamic, and I don't mean for it to be the case. But this whole trend toward uh, getting away from mass, I, I want anyone involved in violence 
threatening violence, attempting violence. They're the ones I want locked up. And maybe I'm just uh, biased because I'm, you know, a suburban white guy. Who knows? And then, of course, I think of Bernie Madoff and I say, well, wait a minute. Are you going to let Bernie Madoff? But I'd rather strip the white collar criminals of all of their their financial resources rather than pay for them, as you just described. Like, that's that's what gets to me. But I think I'm alone in that. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what what you know, you've got to make an example of them and so forth. I don't know. Forget I even said that. I'm just spouting off here. It's kind of a wacky day. I mean, Dan's going to have to write up the summary for 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 Liz and Catherine of what got discussed here on the program today. <laughs> I don't envy, lengthy. I don't envy his task. Like normally he gets to say, you know, talked about uh, Kirsten Cinema took calls. Like, what are you going to do today, Dan? Yeah, this is uh, it's a lot of jumping around, but I'm I'm taking yeah, notes it's, it's and like a stenographer. And, yeah, I love it. It's uh, <laughs> this is good. This is good. Uh, Steve, you are in West Virginia. Greetings. What did you most want to say? Uh, yeah, this is uh, Steve. I uh, first of all, thank you for taking my call. Sure. And I uh, used to work in the prison system. And when when Whitey Bulger died. I even said to my, I told my daughter, I said, heads are going to roll. Mm. Somebody screwed up big time, but it happens, you know. Now, the guy before you, before me, that said he had spent time in the low yeah. and medium yep. and there mm-hmm. was no money in prison, inmates get paid. They get paid while they're in prison if they work. I worked crews of inmates, and I paid them. They got money on their books. And all that, what he was saying, most of what he was saying was what everybody wanted to hear went on in prison. And that's not true. That's not the way it is. Well, give me give me just one illustration of the real deal. And I'm going to run out of time. So you got to hustle. Okay. well, anyway, somebody screwed up, but it's going to be the lower ones that are actually going to do get penalized for it. That's the way it works in the prison system. Okay. It rolls downhill, just like it always does. Do you think that someone took him out for money? And if so, would they have had the commitment ahead of time? Or was it just a leap of faith that if I kill Woody Bolger, someone is going to put money on my books? Oh, yeah, that's true. And the reason he was killed, uh, I'll tell you, the reason he was killed is the mob sent their message. Anytime, place, anywhere you cannot hide, we will find you and we will kill you. Mm-hmm. When we get the opportunity, and that's that was the reason he was killed, had Got nothing it. to do with anything else. Got it. Uh, right. Thank you. Yep, appreciate it, Steve. Right. Very, 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 very much. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.